Welcome to Dialogue Minnesota, conversations about the issues that matter to you. I'm Jim Dubois. Minnesota Governor Tim Walz is calling for the legalization of marijuana for recreational use. The state currently allows marijuana use only for medical purposes. This semester, the University of Minnesota is offering a course on cannabis focusing on its scientific properties, societal impact, and the state and federal regulation of the crop. The course is being offered by the U's Department of Agronomy and Plant Genetics. This week on Dialogue Minnesota, we chat with the faculty members who are co-teaching the class, titled The Science of Cannabis. Mary Brocky is an assistant teaching professor, and Peter Morrell is an associate professor. Our interview took place on the university's St. Paul campus. Professor Brocky, Professor Morrell, welcome to Dialogue Minnesota. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, let's get some definitions down. What are the differences amongst cannabis, hemp, and marijuana, and why does it matter? Sure. Cannabis is the genus name for uh, what we refer to commonly as marijuana or hemp or industrial hemp or by a large number of other names. So cannabis sativa is the complete scientific name, and there is a lot of confusion a lot of detail about whether there are subspecies or different species uh, within that genus cannabis. But uh, essentially, cannabis is the umbrella term that it would correctly be used for either hemp or marijuana. And uh, why it matters, what we call it, is just I think that everybody understands which one of them we are referring to. The class is offered in the Department of Agronomy and Plant Genetics. Are you primarily exploring the science and biology of cannabis plants, or is the class also focusing on the politics and legalities impacting the plant? We've tried to take on both of those issues. Mary and I are both scientists, and our background is in um, plant genetics, plant physiology, but not so much in uh, sort of social issues. But I don't think you can address a topic like cannabis, marijuana, without talking about the legalities and the social issues that surround it. And so we are starting off the class more science-focused, and as we move through the semester, we plan to move into some of those other issues in a little more detail. Yeah, I would agree very much that we are covering a lot of topics around cannabis that relate to cannabis. I think that uh, we want to provide students with an opportunity to learn about a lot of the areas that they're interested in. At this point, I don't think that Peter or I have the qualifications to address those diverse topics. Um, And so we've asked experts and faculty and professionals in diverse fields to come into the class and speak with students on those topics. Was it difficult to get this class approved by the university? It certainly was. We actually didn't have any issues with approval at the department level. There was quite a bit of enthusiasm in our department, and Mary and I are both members of the committee that uh, reviews undergraduate classes, mm-hmm. and we so we were a part of that discussion. You know, courses then move up through the ranks at the university. The place where this course uh, ran into some additional challenges was there was concern 
about federal law and restrictions on marijuana and research. So we were subject to additional review from the Office of General Counsel at the university and also our sponsored projects office, which is an office, I think, under the Office of the Vice President of Research that um, manages grant dollars, especially federal grant dollars. So there was some back and forth about whether or not by teaching this course, we were going to violate any um, state or federal rules that would put the university uh, on the wrong side of the federal government with these issues. Yeah, that's right. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact name of the office, but there's an office of uh, work policies, which the DEA says we have to enforce a drug-free work environment. And so there was concern that we were not doing anything to violate uh, those regulations as well. Um, and as Peter said, this is the first time a course like this has been offered at the University of Minnesota that focuses specifically on cannabis. And so there was concern that we were, you know, that we were in the right space and not violating any regulations because there's discrepancy between state and federal regulations regarding cannabis. There's a lot of gray area and there's a lot of confusion and we need to be understanding that, you know, the process may take longer than a course on something that is much more straightforward. The other issue, if I can just add to that, is that there is no real fundamental distinction between hemp and marijuana. So if we're teaching students how to grow hemp, we could be in effect teaching them how to grow marijuana. And I think there was concern that if a course focused specifically on plant cultivation and cultivating cannabis, that you may be encouraging students in illegal activities. And that was not our intention. So the course is not very focused on propagation or cultivation or techniques for that. We do talk about how those things happen in a commercial space because, you know, there is legal cultivation of medical marijuana in Minnesota. And some of our students are likely to end up working in some of those kinds of environments ultimately. But we don't provide students specific instruction on how they can grow cannabis at home. So. Um, that said, we know that there are courses that are taught at other universities that are focused on cannabis cultivation. And so they do provide that specific information about how to produce it in a greenhouse or whatever environment. And once again, I think that just reflects the lack of clarity regarding, you know, the process for approving courses at a university level and this discrepancy between state and federal regulations. How has politics shaped the science of this plant? Is academic research of cannabis being limited because of current regulations? Most definitely. Uh, most definitely. Right now, cannabis is a Schedule One drug under the Controlled Substances Act of 1970, which means that it's considered, and this is at the federal level, it's considered as not having any medicinal value and a high potential for abuse. And as a result, there are a whole host of, you know, things that are restricted, activities around or involving cannabis that are restricted, most certainly research. Uh, we have a researcher here at the University of Minnesota, Professor George Weiblin, who has in the past received approval from the Drug Enforcement Agency 
to conduct research on cannabis, but that has been a very lengthy and involved process. I'm not familiar with how much research has been conducted in other uh, departments or schools at the University of Minnesota, but uh, essentially it would be quite limited. Are research opportunities opening up more with more states legalizing the drug or allowing medical marijuana use like here in Minnesota? It's not just medical marijuana, but also the farm bill making it possible to grow hemp as a legal crop. There will have to be a lot of agronomic research on hemp. And, you know, the types of research that agronomists are involved in, like fertilizer rates and planting densities and pesticides and herbicides that can be appropriately used with a crop, all of those areas have essentially gone uninvestigated for the last, well, probably since the end of World War II, when a lot of hemp was being produced for industrial purposes. So we've had a big period where there's essentially little to no science, it's certainly within the United States. With regard to medical marijuana, you know, one of the things that is kind of astounding is that each state that has legalized uh, medical marijuana, and that's now 30 plus states I think we're at, has a different set of conditions for which you can potentially receive a prescription to, or, or if that's the, the mechanism they use, but you can be, be permitted to use marijuana to treat those conditions. But for the vast majority of conditions, there's little to no science backing up which of those conditions is actually treatable with the various components of the cannabis plant. If we are going to seriously, you know, prescribe cannabis and make it a, a medication that people are, are taking for treatments, there needs to be a lot more science connecting the actual efficacy of cannabis as a drug uh, with individual conditions. What further research is needed on the recreational use of cannabis or the medicinal use of cannabis? That is a good question. I would expect that that is the interest of folks right now, of researchers in um, not only the medical fields, but public health fields. We have one of our guest speakers who is formerly an adjunct professor here at the University in psychology and has a strong interest in the cognitive effects of cannabis use. Um, there is a large, I believe it is an NIH-funded grant that is looking at the effects of a number of substances, addictive substances, tobacco, um, alcohol, and cannabis on youth and that involves, you know, multiple universities throughout the country. So certainly the questions of what are the, going to be the impacts of uh, recreational use on people is a, is a topic that a lot of people are asking about. Our students are wondering about that as well. A number of our students indicated in a, a short survey that we took last week that they would like to know more about the long-term effects of recreational uh, use on human health. The other area that's been in the news recently that relates to cannabis is uh, vaping and the use of, uh, I think they're often called vaping pens, or I think I saw this morning there now, at the I think it's the Center for Disease Control has now decided that there's a sixth vaping-related death in the U.S. just in the last few weeks. 
And there have been some news reports that link those deaths to THC in the compounds or fluids that go into the vape pens. So the frequency of vaping and the use of those devices by young people has really dramatically increased over the last couple of years. And so I suspect there'll be a lot of additional research into the safety of those products. As more research at the university level is conducted on cannabis, do you see this taking an interdisciplinary approach? You mentioned that the psychology department at the university has had some input. Do you foresee, for example, uh, input coming from the sociology department or other departments at the U? I think that's true. Given the number of questions there are surrounding cannabis, and those questions represent research from diverse fields and the fact that much research right now uh, within the both NSF and NIH, a focus or emphasis is on interdisciplinary uh, research and approaches, that that is a direction that researchers will be going in. There are certainly people that we have um, been in touch with or interacted with from fields as diverse as sociology, uh, pharmacy, other areas who are interested in this issue. So I certainly think there's the potential for that to become a much bigger area of research. You know, one of the things that gets discussed nationally is there is a great deal of disparity in who gets sentenced for marijuana crimes. So that has a large sociological effects because it's often a mechanism that puts young people into prison, especially young people from diverse backgrounds. And so how does that sort of entry into the criminal justice system affect the rest of their mm-hmm. lives and, and, you know, and various types of social outcomes? So there are a lot of topics where cannabis is wound up with some larger issue. You're now in the second week of the class. What are you learning about the motivations of the students who are taking the class? What do they expect to learn? They are interested in the class for a wide number of reasons. We have a large number of students from our plant science major. We also have students who are majors in biological sciences. Some of those are entering into the health field. So we have um, nursing, pre-nursing types of students, some public health. We have students who are interested in biochemistry or biochemistry majors. Some are chemical engineers, some are environmental science majors. So they come from a diverse range of majors and interests. The conversations I've had with some of the students who are in our plant science major are that they are interested in employment opportunities, careers, um, both related to production Um, either of hemp, uh, industrial hemp, or cannabis, marijuana, for medical or other purposes. Certainly, there are a few states that have legalized recreational cannabis, and we know that Governor Walz is talking about uh, legalization of recreational cannabis in Minnesota. So students are seeing that there could be employment opportunities in uh, the industry. But we also have students that are very much, I think, interested in uh, the research aspect. They're interested in the personally as well as professionally. I think some of our students in the chemical areas are interested in chemical analysis. Some may be even interested in entrepreneurial opportunities related to cannabis. Tell us about the hemp that is being produced in the state of Minnesota right now. Is this an area where Minnesota farmers could expand? 
So I don't know a lot about the usage. So the Minnesota Department of Ag has a gentleman named Tony Cordelay, I think that's the correct pronunciation, who has helped coordinate, and I think it must be a licensing program that you have to go through, or at least an acknowledgement that you plan to grow hemp on your property. And so he manages that. You know, I don't know a tremendous amount about that, but they do have a large number of farmers in the state, I think, I want to say on the order of 80, don't quote me on that, that uh, are now growing hemp and a relatively small but growing amount of acreage where hemp is being produced. You know, there is active effort to encourage farmers to explore hemp as an alternative crop. And most recently at the Minnesota State Fair, there was a Minnesota Department of Ag booth that featured hemp and, um, and hemp production. And my understanding is that there were representatives of the Minnesota Department of Ag there to meet and greet fair attendees and talk about hemp as an alternative crop. There's certainly enthusiasm about the potential for hemp production. You know, hemp is unusual in the sense that, or cannabis is unusual in the sense that it is truly a multi-use crop. There are not that many crops that have very different potential uses out of a single crop. Uh, Another example that's kind of similar, I guess, is flax, where you can produce seed or oil and uh, fiber from the same plant. And you don't necessarily grow exactly the same um, hemp plant to get all the different products, but it is possible. So there's a lot of different space to explore compared to some other crops. Yeah, and Tony will be speaking to our class next week, so we'll get all the specifics in terms of number of students and the actual acreage here in Minnesota. But number, if, of, number of farmers. Num, number of, uh, sorry, farmers, yeah, yeah. and uh, number of acres produced here in Minnesota. But in terms of the use of the hemp crop here in Minnesota, of course, the highest value use is going to be for the production of CBD oil, cannabidiol oil, which is one of the cannabinoids that is produced by cannabis. And in this case, cannabidiol does not have psychoactive properties. Um, So it's used for therapeutic properties. It's, you know, the oil that you find in capsules or can be added to uh, food products or lotions that is claimed to have all sorts of positive benefits. And it's distinguished from tetrahydrocannabinol, which is uh, popularly known as THC. And typically plants, my understanding from a little bit of reading on this is that plants found, um, for example, land races or ancient cultivars, older cultivars of uh, cannabis, tend to have a balance between those two compounds, the um, THC and CBD. But plants that are grown for the drug or narcotic effect have typically had higher THC, whereas the use of CBD for various applications is relatively new. But plants that were grown for hemp production, for producing fiber, for example, tended to have lower THC uh, concentration, uh, or they were specifically bred to have lower THC concentration so that they had less appeal for off-label use, I guess. So that's what most farmers will are likely uh, intending to do or use their crops for. And of course, there are some regulations regarding production of hemp for CBD oil that farmers need to be very aware of. 
Tell us about the challenges your students are facing in the study of cannabis, given the lack of research and the limited number of experts in the field. Well, that will be one challenge in and of itself, is uh, the scarcity of uh, resources that explicitly talk about cannabis effects. And actually, that is one of the unique aspects of the class because we have decided to use that as a positive factor in the course overall rather than as a negative. And of course, we are having knowledgeable people in to provide information to students and to ourselves in these different areas. But then we're also asking students to think about these sort of compelling questions that uh, they have, but also that society has to address around cannabis, and to approach that in terms of the opportunity to conduct research on those questions. So uh, this is a kind of a new, a new activity that I've not used in classes before, but we're going to ask students to uh, dig into literature that is available or other resources in terms of you know people that they can contact to conduct research background on a question they have, a compelling question for a research topic that they have, and then to prepare a sort of mini proposal for research that could be conducted on that question. So we'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting to see how much students can find. Actually, the Office of Legal Counsel or General Counsel here at the university specified that we use the title Science of Cannabis, which is interesting because, of course, because of legal restrictions, there isn't much science of cannabis, uh, but relative to a lot yeah. of other things. But I think the real advantage in a lot of ways is that students will get an opportunity to learn about the importance of science for making public policy. You know, there's an argument that science is a real democratizing force because science-based policy provides us the best opportunity to make good public policy in a, in a society where we can have an open discussion about the best choices that we make around technologies and various types of societal change that we see uh, coming about. And so I think a great opportunity in this class will be the fact that students get to think really hard about like, what do we need to know? What do we know and what do we need to know in order to really effectively um, effectively implement um, new public policy around something like cannabis? And, you know, I think a lot of students are kind of excited about this topic in the sense that they see it as generational change or, uh, you know, cultural change that they view very positively. But at some point, you do have to attach some sort of hard facts to that and think about the societal implications of the change that we're hoping to occur. So I think it's a really exciting time for students to uh, to get to think really hard about like what policy do we really need in place around something like this. Mm -hmm. Do you think state leaders will look to the U for guidance if cannabis is legalized in Minnesota? You know, we're kind of unique at the University of Minnesota compared to a lot of other states in that we really only have one major flagship university. So, you know, state leaders don't have a lot of other options uh, as to where to look, but we do certainly have a lot of people on campus 
Uh, we're a very large university, and we have a lot of people on campus with expertise in these areas from, you know, social issues related to cannabis to, uh, to pharmacology. And so there are certainly experts on campus. Certainly, if we start seeing a lot of farmers uh, growing hemp on large scale, we will need input from researchers in our field and related fields to identify the planting rates and the fertilizer rates and all those other things that are essential to effective crop production. The stories you hear right now about farmers paying a dollar a seed to grow hemp for CBD means that you have to make some hard choices about how many $1 seeds would you like to plant. So I think there will be the need for a lot of guidance in some of those areas. And, you know, ultimately the students that we have at the university today, presumably some of those students will be um, participating in these industries as they grow and change. So, uh, so I think the university plays several different important roles in how we sort of roll out this uh, change in, in reintroducing a crop like cannabis into the state and the region. Peter Morrell is an associate professor in the Department of Agronomy and Plant Genetics at the University of Minnesota. Mary Brocky is an assistant teaching professor in the department. Professor Morrell, Professor Brocky, thanks so much for joining us on Dialogue Minnesota. Thank you. Thank you. Dialogue Minnesota, conversations about the issues that matter to you. The United States and China are in the midst of a tariff battle that has roiled world markets. There are also signs that the world economy is slowing, and that's prompted fears of recession. On the next Dialogue Minnesota, University of Minnesota Professor of Economics Timothy Kehoe joins us to discuss trade tensions, their impact on Minnesota-based companies such as Best Buy and Target, and the overall state of the economy. Let us know if you have any comments about our program. Visit us at DialogueMinnesota.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. I'm Jim Dubois. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. See you next time.